<laughs> I really actually wasn't that nervous until worship started. And I was like, oh, man, I'm actually about to get up and start preaching. <laughs> so, but no, I'm super excited. Um, but for those of you who don't know, my name is Bryant. I'm uh, currently going to school in Redding, California. I go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And um, this is my second year there. I've been going there um, for about a year and a half now. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Bethel School, it's, it's like a school of ministry. And um, their emphasis is on the supernatural, though. And so it's not just for people who are going to be pastors, or youth pastors, and you know, people who are called to like full-time ministry, but it, they're teaching you to take, you know, like a culture of honor and kingdom values and actually like, instill them in like everyday life. Um, you know, and like we actually have a lot of, you know, semi-famous, almost famous people who are working there. Uh, we have a few movie actors who go to the school, uh, a few uh, previous professional football players uh, for the Detroit Lions. Actually, we had one guy who's there and he played uh, professional football. It's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, but I'm super happy to be home. I haven't been home in a year. This is the longest time I've been away from home. So it's super good to see all you guys. And I see like a ton of new people. So it's pretty exciting. But I kind of you guys may who are friends with me on Facebook might have already heard this. But the trip home was actually pretty interesting. <laughs> um, I was flying out of Sacramento, actually. And uh and uh, we left at like two o'clock in the morning to go to Sacramento and Sacramento is like two hours away from Reading. So, you know, we leave at two o'clock in the morning. I decided to pull an all nighter and watch the office until it was time to go. So, you know, we go to the airport. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm super tired. Uh, I haven't slept yet. My plane doesn't leave till 10. So I decided, you know, to go to sleep for a few hours. And, you know, that was a terrible idea. So I, I go in this little corner next to the window. I lay down with my pillow and I totally just pass out. Just go to sleep. I go like to this deep sleep. I'm dreaming about the airport and I had some trippy dreams. Anyways, I wake up to the security guard like shaking me going, buddy, buddy, get up. And so like, and I think I'm dreaming. So I like wake up and I like stand up and he's like, you're about to miss your plane. Your, your plane's about to leave you. And I was like, it's like, what? What's going on? And he's like, are you going to Minnesota? And I was like, uh, and I was just so confused. I did not know where I was. I forgot I was at the airport. I thought I was actually at my apartment. I was dreaming. I, I really thought this. And I thought the dream was like, I thought it was like a prophetic dream. Like, are you going to Minnesota? I was like, yeah. And, and he's like, buddy, are you going to Minnesota? Are you going to Minnesota? And then I was like, I'm going to Minnesota. And, and then I just stopped and I was like, wait, no, I'm not going to Minnesota. And then I was like, I'm going home. And the guy was like, what plane are you getting on? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going on the 1030 plane. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to Oklahoma. Never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry. And everyone at the airport just starts laughing at me. Like it was, it was pretty full. And people were just like laughing at me. And I was like, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> but that, you know, that started my journey home and, you know, I'm happy to be home and see all my brothers like a foot taller and. And <laughs> what not. But yeah. But anyways, no, it's been really good. I'm really excited to be here. And um, I know I got to share a little bit last time when I was here just to kind of about like Bethel and what I'm doing there and just kind of my story of provision and, you know, what God's done in my life and how he's just supernaturally provided the whole time I've been there. And I remember last year uh, there were times where I didn't even like at times I didn't have food. Um, I always ate, I always had a meal, but there were times where I didn't have it and I had to just wait for God to bring a meal into my life. 
I remember waking up one morning, looking into my, in my little pantry, and all there was was a rotten apple in my pantry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I need food. All my roommates had gone to school. I lived with 10 guys. All my roommates had gone to school. The fridge was just packed with food. Um, but I, I didn't want to take their food. And, and I remember God, he was just like, just go to school. I'll get you a meal. And um, so I went to school, and uh, we're doing worship. And the whole time I'm worshiping, I was like, God, give me food. I'm hungry. I just want a bagel, you know. And while I'm doing worshiping, worshiping, someone comes up and just gives me a $5 bill and was like, hey, God wanted me to give this to you. This is like a, a prophetic act that you're going to have financial breakthrough. And so I was so excited. I went to the cafeteria, bought a bagel sandwich, and ate that. And I, I was just kind of in survival mode. So I was like, okay, I've had about 1,000 calories. I'm good for the day. You know, I, I can survive until tomorrow. And I was like, but God, if you can, I would love to have dinner because... That would just, that would be amazing. You know, I don't know if you can do that, but that'd be cool. Uh, so I remember I was walking home and uh, these students pulled up and they were like, what's up? And I was like, what's going on? And they were like, hey, you want to come over and have dinner with us? We'll make you dinner. And I was like, yes. So, so I went over and they were making me dinner. That's kind of funny because I was sitting there eating dinner and I was like, yes, now I'm probably good for like two days because I've had another thousand calories, you know. And uh, while I was eating, the thought popped in my head, oh, man, it would be great to have breakfast in the morning. Literally, not a, like five seconds after I thought it would be good to have breakfast, he literally pulled a box of cereal, a gallon of milk, and some fruit and was like, here, take this home. And, and at this point, I hadn't told anybody that I was, like, really struggling with, with food or anything. And he just gave me a box of cereal, milk, and fruit. And I was just like, this will last me for a week. <laughs> I'll have cereal every single day. Um, but anyways, and so the next day I go to school, um, and people, I, I guess one of my interns found out that I was struggling, and um, everyone started bringing me groceries, and someone actually took me back to the Bethel kitchen and uh, introduced me to the chef, and the chef was like, hey, I hear you're actually struggling with some money, and so actually, if you ever need food, come to the kitchen, and we'll totally feed you. And that's a big deal, because basically he was feeding me whatever they were feeding Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin that day, because they cook lunch for them every day. And it's so like every day before school, I could go to the kitchen and he would make me like, you know, like tacos or, you know, something like that. So it was, it was just really cool. And so kind of transitioning into second year, I really needed a job. Um, I told God that I actually, I really wanted to work and, um, you know, be able to provide for my rent and, and food for this year. So it just, I felt like it'd be easier. Um, and, and God just really opened the door for a really exciting job. I, um, I randomly heard about a job at a business called InComputing. Uh, they're a desktop virtualization distributor, and I'll get into it. But um, I just heard they were hiring, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to go apply. So I wear, like, jeans, a button-up shirt, and uh, get, like, a little resume printed out, and take it up there. And it's this big building, like, professional. It kind of looks like Kicker, like the big Kicker building, like... And so I was, like, scared. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I go, and everyone's wearing, like, suits, and I'm just this little college kid with you know, a little button-up. And, and so I was like, okay, God, I really want to work here because this, this seems legit, but I'm going to need some favor. Um, so anyways, I go in. They give me this interview. It's like this big round table, like, movie-type interview. It's, you know, it wasn't like I'm, – you know, I'm used to the food industry, and interviews are, oh, can you work this day? Can you work this day? This was like – so why, why do you think you can work at in computing? I'm just like, I don't know, you know, but it was funny because and normally how I would do interviews is nothing how I handled this one. He, he asked me, he said, why would you be a good fit at in computing? 
And I was going to be like, I'm a good team player. That's what I was going to say. And honestly, this like the spirit of boldness came on me. And I was like, well, actually, uh, beginning in high school, I didn't know how to play basketball. I couldn't even shoot a layup. I was like, I would practice and practice, and then I could shoot a layup. The next year, I was a starter. The next year, I was my team captain. I was like, whenever I see something I want, I go for it. And I was like, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> and, and he literally was like, wow. And then he was like, you're hired. And just hired me right there. And I, I mean, so my heart was like beating out of my chest. And that in itself is just a huge testimony of just. And so I've been working there. Um, all through second year. I worked there through the summer, um, and I've been working through second year, and it's been a great place. It's, they have a lot of people from Bethel who work there, so I'd say about like 95% of the people who work there are really like kingdom mindset people, and so like every Monday we'll even have worship uh, before we go to work for like a good hour, um, and you get paid for that hour too, so it's like, yeah, so I mean, I couldn't be at a better place, um, but yeah, that was just... You know, super exciting. Um, I remember telling you guys last year that I was planning on going on a mission trip to Canada. Uh, that didn't work out. I didn't get the finances to go. And um, I was bummed out at that time. And I was just like, I ended up going to Tijuana, Mexico instead. Awesome trip. Ten of testimonies from there. Uh, but coming into second year, it was like God said that he was going to like, he, he remembers the promises he made me. And that just because it doesn't happen in the timing I think it's supposed to happen, that they're still going to happen. And so a month into second year, I get an email from um, someone saying, hey, you've got accepted to go on the Canada trip with Naomi West. She's one of the Bethel leaders there. And uh, so I, and it's, you know, all expense paid for trip. Um, like they reimburse you for everything. So I got to go to Canada for practically free. And it was exciting. It was just like, it was one of those things. And I'm way glad I got to go on this one instead of the other one because this one, it was more like a leadership role. They didn't tell me what I was going to be doing, but like on the way there, she was like, oh, by the way, they've been advertising this prophetic conference for about a year and, and uh, you guys are the speakers. And so, it's like, what? I was like, I don't want to do this, you know. But it was amazing. God showed up. I got to preach and, um, you know, it was only 15 minutes, but it was still exciting and uh, you know, we just got to see God do miracles and it was just, it was rad. So it was just, it's just kind of cool to see, you know, I just feel like God's been really moving me along from, you know, in first year and a second year and just like, um, you know, giving me more and, and just, uh, you know, changing my mindset from survival mode to thriving, you know, you know, that's what he's called us. That's the mindset he wants us to have is not to be kicked into a mode where we're trying to survive. But to know that, you know, he's the God of all things. He provides. And that we, we need to have the mindset that we're supposed to thrive and not just survive. You know? And that's like one of the biggest things he's been working on in my heart, you know, going to school. Is to not have that, you know, kind of like a pauper mentality. To where, you know, I don't believe I deserve more. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm like earning my way into like upgrade. But, you know, God wants us to have the mindset that, you know, we're sons and daughters of the king of the universe. You know, if that if you have that full realization that you're a daughter and a son of the king, you know, how much more would you expect? You know, would you expect to thrive or would you would you expect just just to barely make it and survive? You know, you know, so I was at work one day and I got a text from my dad. And he said, by the way, you're preaching on the 23rd. <laughs> I swear my heart just about leaped out of my chest. I was like, no, <laughs> I sent him a text back and I was like, oh, that's OK. I'll just share about Bethel and. And you can have someone else preach. 
and he never replied. And I was like, oh, dang it. I was like, this is not good. So I gave him a call. I was at work, and I called him. I was like, okay, I need to have peace of mind. I don't think I'm going to preach. And I called him. I was like, hey, Dad, listen, don't worry about it. I'm, I don't need to preach. I, I'll just, you know, share a little bit. He's like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. You can just share. And then if you, if you don't have enough to say, we'll bring somebody else up. And uh, what that really meant was, no, you're going to preach. And whether you like it or not, I was like, so, you know. Anyways, he told me to, um, before I even started preparing for what I'm kind of going to share on a little bit, you know, he was like, just get a word for the church. Just see what God's saying to the church body and, you know, just share that. And so I have this hammock in my apartment. We literally nailed a hammock to my apartment walls. And I slept in that for three weeks. You know, starting school, I just, I wanted to. <laughs> so I was laying in my hammock having, you know, a quiet time. And right when I started, I said, God, what's the word you want to give me for the church? And I wrote it down and it was super clear. And he says, I'm about to open a more tangible realization of my presence. Realms of my glory that people talk about in the spiritual will be opened up in the natural. And the last part was my presence will fall like rain. But yeah. So, going to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, you can imagine my excitement to hear him say that. And it was almost like a, like a tape. It just kept replaying and replaying, and I kept hearing it over and over again. And so it was easy for me to write down because it was just like, I'm about to open up a tangible realization of my presence. You know, and we're all familiar with the presence of God here. You know, uh, we've all experienced the presence of God in, in some way, or, or, you know, at least some of us have felt like we have. But what I believe this word, what he meant by this word is not just a knowledge of his presence, but he's about to release tangible evidence of his presence. You know, I go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and there are times when we'll be worshiping, when there'll be this, this um, cloud of gold dust will just appear around the stage area, and it'll like appear around the room. Um, and not just during worship, like it'll like randomly happen during like someone speaking, this randomly just, boof, there'll just be gold dust floating around and you can tell the difference between gold dust and just like normal dust you know like it's like sparkling and it gets on you and it's just like oh my gosh that's where i've told this story to lots of people i i'm i'm really careful who i tell it to i won't tell it to everyone because people get super skeptical but a few people have been like no there's showering glitter from the ceiling and i can just see them throwing it in there and it's like uh, you know, that's, if you believe that, that's cool. You know, it's, I guess it's one of those things you kind of have to be there to actually see how tangible and real it is. And it's weird because sometimes when you see that, there'll be like this fog that kind of like circles around it and stuff. And even when I've shared and told people about that, people have been like, what's the point of that? What's the point of God releasing gold dust or a cloud? Like, what does that do? You know, there's no point in that. He never did that in the Bible. That makes no sense. You know, and they'll be super skeptical. You know, but one of the, my favorite, like, ways to describe it is, you know, kind of what Bill Johnson says is, you know, we're sons and daughters of the king. We have a tangible relationship with God, and he likes releasing new, tangible uh, forms of his glory. There doesn't have to be a rhyme and a reason for every manifestation of presence that God brings in, you know. If we're really hungry for heaven to invade earth, we have to be willing to, like, you know, receive what he gives us and be, like, thankful for that, you know. Not to mention seeing gold dust is pretty cool. You know, <laughs> it was pretty cool, but you know, I grew up in this church. 
uh, my whole life. I moved out when I was 18 and went to California, but we've seen a lot of cool things happen here. You know, I've, this is, I grew up in this place. I've seen miracles happen. You know, I've seen my dad pray for people and, uh, you know, arms or legs grow out and just like, you know, awesome miracles. We've seen salvations, you know, we've seen the church grow. We've seen just different things and, and just change. We've, we've seen supernatural before, you know, maybe not in, in as strong as we want to see it, you know, but there, there always should be a hunger for more. You know, if we ever, if we ever come to a place where we're not hungry for more then there's something wrong. You know, and so but a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll compare to other places like, let's say, Bethel, for instance, like if you look, this is an illustration Bill Johnson used. So I, I didn't come up with this on my own. But there is like, let's just let's just say we have a big apple tree right here and all the all the fruit on the tree, the apples are just big red and they're just ready to eat. They're super mature apples. And you can take one of those apples and be like, this is the deal. This is legit right here. And then you can go to another tree, less mature, you know, apples about this big, you know, still green, not ready to eat. But nonetheless, they're still apples. You know, people can take these and be like, that's not an apple. You know, this isn't, this isn't an apple. I mean, look at this apple. This is, this is an apple. You know, and then we start comparing. But God's like, no, this is still revival. It's growing, though. I'm maturing it. You know, but people look at other revivals like we can look at Bethel or, you know, revivals that have happened in history and be like, this is nothing compared to this. So it's not revival, technically. But God's like, no, I'm releasing my spirit. This is revival. And so, you know, when I was, you know, when God was kind of giving me this, I I wanted him to give me a few um, kind of a few points. I'm not very good with rounding up like a sermon. So I I kind of wanted him to summarize it a little bit on, on things we can do now to like tangibly um, steward what he's given us in like a good way and some things we can go after to help us, you know, maintain it. And uh, the first thing is celebrate what God has already done. Remember the testimonies. Remember what God's already done in this church and the supernatural and be thankful for that, you know. And then another thing, are you willing for others not to completely agree with you and even get offended? You know, when God shows up, not everyone is, is open to it. You know, when the outbreak at Bethel happened and the supernatural started happening, most of the church left. I think it was like 60% of the church actually left because it freaked them out. You know, if you guys want to turn to Acts chapter 2 real quick. Uh, and it's verse 1. I should have saved it because I don't know where it's at. <laughs> Here we go. I forgot to bring my Bible, so I'm using this Bible and the letters are really small, so you'll have to bear with me. But it says, when the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, if you go to, thirst, uh, go to verse 12, it says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, even made fun of them and were like, They had too much wine to drink. You know, this is what revival can look like. The, you know, God can go through a place. You can see tongues of fire. You can have the wind of heaven go through a place. And people are still going to critique it. People are still going to be like, This isn't real. 
You know, yeah, they're, they're drunk, you know. And, you know, they'll doubt it. But we can't let that stop us from actually wanting to go further into it. If we're constantly walking on eggshells, I'm trying not to offend, trying not to offend. We're never going to actually step into a realm, you know, of God's glory that he's waiting to, like, pour out on us. You know, I know there were several times Jesus offended many people, you know, and he, he was the last person to, like, walk on eggshells and, and be like, Ooh, I don't want to offend these Pharisees by telling them they're religious. So I'm just I'm just going to let them think what they're doing is cool. And no, he was all up in the grill sometimes, you know. And so one, celebrate what God has already done. The second one, are you willing for others not to completely agree or be offended? You know, along with a tangible relationship with God, God didn't just intend on us having relationship with him when we die and go to heaven. You know, God didn't just intend for us to experience his presence and have tangible father God encounters when we go to heaven. That was this is meant for now. You know, when when Adam before Adam sinned, he had one on one connection with God. You know, him and God were like, you know, besties. And then he sinned, and that was taken away. But that was restored when Jesus died on the cross. You know, a lot of us don't believe. They believe we walk by faith and not by sight. And they take that verse out of context because they believe, yeah, being a Christian takes faith. But it, doesn't, it shouldn't have to take faith to know that God is with us. You know, and we shouldn't have to have faith that we're in relationship with him. You know, we should know that we're in relationship with God. You know, and that's why I believe it's, it's super important to go after this. You know, super important to go after tangible dad encounters. Super important to go after the presence. You know, and it's not just for us. We're not just going after encounters in the presence of God for selfish reasons. Although the presence of God feels amazing. And, you know, seeing things like a glory cloud or like rain or, you know, just like different manifestations of God are amazing. It's mainly for the sake of the world. You know, God wants to encounter us for our one-on-one relationship. But we're being encountered so we can go out and show God's love. We can actually show a tangible God and actually bring people to Christ. God never expected us to live a gospel or believe in a gospel absent of power. You know, a lot of people in this world are looking for power. A lot of people are looking for a manifestation of some sort. And, you know, and what's sad is there have been people who have looked for power in the church, have gone to the church because they want to feel the presence of God. They want to see something real and they don't find it. And so people have actually gone to witchcraft or a cult because they've seen tangible power in there. And, you know, and how messed up is that, that people have gone to witchcraft and demonic power to see tangible evidence that there's something real, you know? And like I said, Jesus never expected us to believe in a gospel absent of power. John 10.36, if you want to turn there. Actually, I don't know if that's the verse. I think it's 10.37. (laughs) Oops. 100% sure I'm supposed to go there just yet, but... 
Anyways, well, anyways, what I'm saying about, you know, God doesn't expect us to believe in a gospel absent of power, where it says in 37, if I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. You know, where he's telling me, he's like, if you're not seeing the fruit of what I'm saying, if I'm just all talk, then don't believe me. But actually see what I'm doing, you know, raising people from the dead, you know, healing the blind, you know, setting the lame free or the demon possessed free. You know, the power of God is more tangible and is more, there's more of an abundance of it than there will ever be in the demonic realms. You know, and, and sometimes I believe that that is, it's a huge part taken out of church, the supernatural and relationship and tangible relationship with God. Because some people are scared to go after that and they're like, no, we walk by faith and not by sight. So if we go after this and don't see it, a lot of people aren't going to believe it's real. You know, and I believe we limit, our, limit ourselves to those relationships by declaring that. You know, by declaring, oh, we don't really need to see God. We don't really need to feel God. We just need to know he's there and, you know, live Christian lives. And, you know, that's one thing I've decided not to do. I, I refuse to live my life for Christian. You know, that's boring. I'm sorry. Like, like until the realization hit me that I could have a tangible relationship with God, just living the Christian life can be really boring, you know, and that's not how God intended it. He intended it to be exciting, you know, full of him, full of power. Yeah. So with that word, he's releasing a tangible, um, like tangible encounters. I kind of asked him what was one thing he kind of wanted me to tie in with that. And, um, one thing to kind of encourage the church to go after, um, that kind of goes in with that. And what he told me was overcoming the fear of man. And at first, I didn't really understand how that would tie in with this. And I was up to like three in the morning, like trying to tie it together. And it wouldn't. And the Holy Spirit was just kind of like, do you trust me? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I just kind of got the notes I did have and some kind of rounding it up while I'm here. But God said, overcoming the fear of man. And for a few reasons, I'm going to give you a few reasons why the fear of man and, and the presences, they come together. Fear of man keeps you from walking in your true potential. That's number one. First of all, God's put gifts inside each and every one of you guys. You know, some can be athletic, um, musical gifts, different gifts that God's put inside you to thrive. And a lot of you guys know what your gifts are and know what you're passionate about. But fear of man has held you from going after those things. We'll give you an example for singing. Someone has a passion to sing. They know they can sing. They're scared of of getting up on stage and being humiliated. They're scared of what people are going to say and, you know, if they're going to straight up just be humiliated. And some people won't go after that when in reality it's like if they were to step into that, God could have this whole layout of opportunities and plans for them to walk into. Number two, fear of man keeps you from receiving all God has for you because you're afraid of offending. Like I was talking about before with revival, a lot of us are, you know, walking on eggshells, are scared to offend people, um, and they're not, you know, open to like receiving supernatural. Number three, fear of man will cripple you in ministry. It'll completely cripple you. You know, I love Chris Valentin when he talks. He's uh, one of the pastors at Bethel. He is one of the best speakers I know of. And Bill Johnson, too. They're both amazing. Both of their stories start with them when they begin preaching like when, like the first time they preach, they're just like nervous out of their mind. I mean, like Chris Valentin will even share and he's like, dude, I like going to the bathroom and throw up and 
Like, it's just all bad. Before, like the first times when he first started preaching, he was so nervous, he would just like completely shut down. He wouldn't be able to eat. He would get like sick. And I was like, okay, good. I'm, I'm not right there, so I'm, I'm a little, I'm not that nervous, so I'm doing pretty good. But, but that was just fear, you know, that's just fear, you know, the fear of man. Like, if, if you're afraid of doing something, then you're probably coming from like a performance mindset when you're trying to actually like perform for somebody or gain their approval. You know, so hearing their testimony and seeing, wow, they used to actually be scared to preach, and now they're like some of the best preachers I know. That's super motivating and encouraging. Um, the fourth reason. Fear of man gives birth to pride. The reason I say that, it makes us act out arrogantly. Because we're presuming to set our understanding above God's promises. God promised to be our comforter and our protector. So an example, I feel really passionate about singing. I don't really, but I'm saying this is an example. But I feel passionate about singing. I know it's something God's wanting me to do. But I don't step into it, you know, because I'm scared of being humiliated. You know, when God's like, I'm behind you, I'm here to comfort and protect you. And you're like, I'm actually going to live my life based on my feelings because those seem to make more sense. And so that's, you know, that's a form of pride. And one of the verses I'm going to be reading out of, and you don't have to turn there, but you can. It's Proverbs 29:25. It's a short verse, and it says, The fear of man brings a snare or a trap, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. He who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The fear of man is a trap. And before I go any further, a lot of people can get fear of man mixed up with wanting to have a good reputation. And that's not what I'm talking about. A good reputation is a good thing to desire. You know, in Proverbs 22, 1, it says, you know, a good name should be more desired than riches. A, a good reputation is a very healthy thing to want. But what I'm talking about fear of man is fear that man will hurt, humiliate, ridicule, or reject us. If you want to turn your Bibles to um, Isaiah 51, verse 12. Reading from the New Living Version. And it says, yes, I am the one who comforts you. Why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? You know, what God is saying in this verse is, I've created you. I've created the destiny that I've put inside you since you were born. And I've created man. Why are you afraid that man has the power over the destiny which I gave you? You know, we all know this verse. This is a very familiar verse. Um, but uh, Timothy 1.7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of self, self-control, self-discipline. And so I looked up the word, uh, the meaning of the word timid, just for funsies. And, uh, and the meaning of the word timid is lacking self-confidence, shy. That's funny, you know. God did not give us the spirit of shyness. Fearful or hesitant. These are things that God has not put inside of us. You know, one of my favorite stories of somebody, you know, stepping into their full identity by overcoming the fear of man is the story of David. You know, we're all familiar with the story of David, but when you look at it from a fear of man perspective, you know, he wasn't a social stud. He was a shepherd. 
you know. I mean, he killed a lion and a bear, um, but he was just, he was a shepherd boy, you know. And, like, you know, we all the story. Goliath came to the Philistines, was taunting them, you know, threatening, and, and then David was like, that's not cool. You know, I'm going to go rip this dude's head off because, you know, I have the authority inside me, you know, to protect God's name, protect God's people. I know this is what God's put inside me. I know who I am, so I'm going to go do this. But like his own family, like, you know, they were like, don't do this. You're going to get speared in the face if you go against this guy. You know, they were like, you're straight up going to die. Like his family said that, his friends said that. He went to the king of Israel and was like, listen, I'm going to go kill Goliath. Okay, this dude's no bueno. I'm going to kill him. And then he was like, you're going to get speared in the face, dude. He's like, yeah, put this armor on. It'll be less bloody. You know, here you go. And he's like, no, I, I don't want to wear it. And, and we all know the story. He went over there and nailed him in the face with a rock, ripped his head off. This is the rated R version. <laughs> don't need to sugarcoat it. Rips his head off. And... You know, that's the story of David begins. You know, we've all heard of his journey and, you know, just what he did and like what God set him up for. What's actually exciting. Uh, they actually showed this to us at school a few days ago. Like, you guys are familiar with Lord of the Rings, right? The trilogy. Like, we just saw The Hobbit yesterday. It was pretty sick. But I was actually thinking one day and I, God told me, he was like, I'm going to start bringing uh, kingdom into, into like Hollywood. And I know that's something he's been doing for a while. And a lot of people, they're trying to avoid Hollywood because they're like, oh, it's from the devil. This is bad. When in reality, you know, the devil, the, <laughs> the Bible <laughs> tells us to be as innocent as doves, but as wise as serpents. We need to be going into Hollywood and like taking kingdom values with us, you know. And God told me, I'm going to start doing that. And the first thing he gave me was, I'm going to make a story of David. It's going to be a Lord of the Rings type trilogy millions of people are going to watch this this is going to be a you know a huge thing and i was like i was excited i was like this is going to be awesome this is my idea i'm going to direct it probably you know like he gave me this idea and so i'm thinking maybe he's wanting me to take action on it or something or else like maybe trey you know and so he gives me this idea last year and i'm just like man that'd be cool so i, I started just telling people I was like god told me this 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 and he's gonna make a trilogy it's gonna be like lord of the rings we're at school a few weeks ago and uh this guest speaker came and he was like, hey, I'm from Hollywood. We're with yada yada. Um, you know, we're part of Bethel's branch who goes out there and, you know, we are working on kingdom movies. So the project we're currently working on is we're rewriting the story of David and his mighty men. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes. You know, I was like, I mean, like I, I wanted to tell people, I know God told me that God told me that I knew that was going to happen. I knew it, you know, but I, I could hardly say my seat. I was like, oh, and, and he was like, and what we're going to do is we're basically going to make it a trilogy because we couldn't, you know, tell the whole story of David in just one movie. So we're making a trilogy. It's going to be kind of like Lord of the Rings. Like, ah! So like, I'm freaking out, you know, because I'm more excited that I actually heard God's voice telling me he was going to do this. And just the day before I had told somebody, I feel like God told me this was going to happen. And they were visiting the school that day. So they looked behind me and they were like, yeah, right, right. I was like, yeah. You know, and so I, this is actually really exciting. Um, so they're actually making a story of David. Um, a trilogy. I don't know. This doesn't fit into my sermon at all, but it's, it's just exciting, you know, because they're making a story of David. <laughs> Dang it, half my notes didn't print out. <laughs> That's okay. 
Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Aw, love you too. <laughs> My love tank is full now. So. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just going to go with it. Anyways, the story of David. So I believe that he actually, this, David wouldn't have actually walked into his full potential, his full you know, destiny, if he wouldn't have actually stepped out of fear of man, he could have stayed a shepherd boy. You know, and something I want to encourage all of you guys is, you know, God has us in seasons in our life where, you know, where he's wanting us to grow, but we're not always in the exact place that we're supposed to be because of fear of man. I want you guys to think about it. This isn't, this isn't pertaining to everybody, but just if this kind of resonates with you, some people are in a place in their lives, they're unsatisfied. You know, they're not, you know, they're not, they, they feel like they're doing nothing with their lives and they're just going in circles. And what I want to ask you is, are there things that you want to pursue, but you're scared of actually stepping out and doing? And if, and if you know that's you and there are things that God's put inside of you, then I want to encourage you to go after those things. I want to encourage you to step out of fear of man and know I could be rejected. This could be humiliating. This could be painful, but I'm still going to step into it because I believe you know, that God has a plan for me in this direction. And so and that's why I think the story of David was so cool, just because he was just like, he just went for it and, and bam. You know, we deny the credibility of God's word when we let fear set our limits for obedience. So I'll say that again. We deny the credibility of God's word when we let fear set our limits for obedience. When we're like, God, I'll obey you. I don't care where you tell me to go. I don't care what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. So, and then he brings something scary into your life. Well, except for that thing. I'll do the next thing, though. You know, I'll, I'll do the next thing. It's like, I want you to preach. I don't want to preach. I'll do the next thing. You know, I want you to go pray for that person. Oh, yeah, about that. You know, and we're actually, we're actually denying the credibility of his word. When we're like, I'm going to let fear set my limits for obedience. I'm going to obey. But once it reaches that level... You know, I'm out of here. And so I believe that God's really wanting to just kind of like bring a lot of people out of that into the realization of who they really are, you know, and bring them out of that mindset into more of a kingdom mindset, you know, so they can encounter him, you know, in, in tangible ways. So one thing I'm wanting to actually do today is... I asked God what he wanted me to do with the word, the tangible encounter of his presence and overcoming the fear of man. I believe he said that he says, I want the church to activate itself. So what I'm wanting to do right now is if I could get everyone just to stand up, that'd be awesome. And if we can, can everyone hold hands? Can we get everyone to hold hands with someone on the right left? And yeah, try to link if you can. If you got a baby and you can't, that's fine. But if you can link hands with people across the aisle, that'd be awesome. And so, gosh, Cornell, <laughs> what we're going to do is I want you to pray for the person on the right and on the left of you. And I want you to go after a few things, tangible father, God encounters this week.